Hello, and welcome to Double Take. I'm Jenny. And I'm Jess. And today we're talking about the first episode of HBO's The Last of Us, which like was very hyped. People, I don't know about your HBO, I guess, service or app or whatnot. Mine was glitching last night, and I could not tell if it was because everyone and their mother was watching The Last of Us or if it was just my Wi-Fi. Probably oh, my Wi-Fi. I did not have any glitches, but I also wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people were watching this. I think when The House of the Dragon came out, there were glitches. It crashed because everyone was trying to watch it at the same time. And I was wondering mm-hmm. if that was going to happen here. But you know what else I was wondering yesterday? If this was more – if this was actually watched by so many people or if I just live in the TV world too much and I felt like it was a really big deal because I don't actually know anyone personally like who knew about this show. So I can speak to this. I mentioned to Carter that we were uh, filming our reactions to this – or I guess not filming. We were podcasting <laughs> – about the first episode. And he was like, oh, I've been hearing about that on like NPR. And like, I think it's mm. been, if you if you consume any sort of media ever, they've been sprinkling in little promos. Uh, but I, you're right. Like, I don't know of anyone who definitely was going to watch it, except maybe people who already liked the game or were in right. the TV That's community. Where I'm like, I get that the people who've played this video game, and we haven't said this, but Yes, yeah, so the TV show is based on a video game and it's a huge, hugely popular video game from 2013. I think those people were obviously excited about it and then it sort of bled into the general internet world of like when one big group of people starts talking about something, other people then get in on the discourse. But is it just the TV movie Twitter world that's talking about it? And I'm sure it's not literally just, but I don't know, Matt is on the internet, but like finance <laughs> Twitter and he had never heard of this. Like we watched right. it last night too. And he was like, I I know zero things about this. Okay. Well, finance Twitter. Like I've, those seem like such separate worlds. <laughs> but I just mean like he's on Twitter. Like sometimes you sure. see other stuff. Yeah. I don't know. And even like ads on the TV. I like – I guess I saw some. But I feel like it was mostly on HBO Max. Like I would put on HBO yeah. Max for something else and there would be an ad for it. So my theory – I mean not theory but I think – White Lotus, for example, Game of Thrones, other HBO shows that have sort of cornered the market of Sunday nights to watch TV. And then also like the hashtags of Twitter have been like seven of them are about Game of Thrones or seven of them are about White Lotus really only happened after either the first season or more people were bought in. So because it's the first episode, like I got to imagine as this gets going, if it's if like if other HBO shows are um, any indication that it will be. Like soon Matt will see it on Twitter or yeah, just like – That might be the actual trending like the topics. key difference, the sum- summary of a key difference between being on TV, movie, Twitter or TikTok and not being on it is knowing about every show before it comes out versus like hearing hype about a show once it's mm. premiered and good. Like the true and popular I- I- idea of what is a good show. You get the – Yeah. I think it's hard – for a show to amass a lot of hype ahead of time in the general pop, unless it's like, I don't know, like if Harry An Potter. Adaptation. If there was like yep. a new Harry Potter show. Yeah, existing IP. And in this case, it is existing IP, but it's a video Kinda game. Niche. So it only, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really only exists as an exciting thing in that world of people, I think. I think that's safe I, to say. Yeah, I think that brings us into a good transition point to sort of say for anyone who's listening, what this is about. What the um, show is. Because we've we've dropped the 
not hint the actual statement that this comes from a video game. We're trying to do non-spoilery portion first. So rest assured, we won't, you know, tell you anything you don't want to hear. But The Last of Us essentially takes place 20 years after modern civilization has been destroyed. The character Joel, who is played by Pedro Pascal, is hired to smuggle Ellie, a 14-year-old girl, played by Bella Ramsey, out of the oppressive quarantine zone, which is also Boston, the former Boston. There's this sort of viral fungal something infection that's hinted at uh, that has made it untenable to live the life that people were living before this happened. I don't think it's a spoiler to say there's a deadly fungal infection that has turned humans into flesh eating monsters. Like I don't I don't think that's a spoiler. That's the Okay. If you watch the trailer, like that's that's the show. But yes, starring Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey, there are other famous faces you'll see along the way to uh Anna Torv. I was really excited about Anna Torv. I didn't it know. It took she was me a second to this. place her. I was oh, like, well, too. And then if you watch the like trailer for the next few episodes, you see Nick Offerman's gonna be in it, uh, which is very exciting to me. Yeah. Melanie Linsky Absolutely love her in Yellow Jackets. And Murray Bartlett from White White Lotus. Lotus. Yeah. Very, very cool. So, yeah. As you said, we'll keep it non-spoilery in the first (laughs) few minutes of our episode. Uh, We'll go into spoiler reactions and thoughts after that. Our initial reactions to the show. We've both only seen the first episode. But if you're sort of on the fence about whether or not you want to watch this, we'll start with the the, our general reviews – not giving anything too detailed away. I think what was interesting about this show for me was that I really, really, really thought that I was going to hate it, or or at least I, yeah, going into it, like you definitely it. said that. <laughs> like I really just thought I wasn't going to like it. I don't play video games. I don't. I mean, I play video games that are like little little puzzle games, like mm-hmm. uh, Overcooked. Overcooked, like, <laughs> I love Overcooked. Okay, <laughs> Um, I don't play video games like this where it's like a whole story and you go through the world and. Mostly, You're I don't not a like Kingdom Hearts girly. Games. I wasn't in any video game. Literally, just cooking, cooking video games seemed to be the only ones I ever played. And like Super Mario Party, or Mar- I don't even know if that's Dance Dance Revolution. Definitely not a not a video <laughs> game girl. Um, okay, and I especially don't like violent shows. Mm-hmm. I don't dislike post apocalyptic shows, but I prefer them to be more about the people and less about monsters and zombies and vampires and violent stuff or like, like that. the way the rebellion works and the like politics of whatever's yeah. happening yeah like like post-apocalyptic stuff can be fun but when it gets too just about like violent monsters it's just mm-hmm. not my thing so i had a lot of qualms going into this or a lot of uh trepidation yep. <laughs> that i was gonna hate this mm-hmm. and I loved this episode. Like I wow. genuinely very much loved this episode. Oh, I'm excited. I I'm like actually hyped to watch the rest of the show. I am excited to see what happens next. I I did not go in with the same trepidations. I really liked I I've kind of assumed it would be similar to, you know, your iRobots. No. It was an iRobot. The Will Smith movie? No, I Am Legend. It's the other Will Smith movie. Mm, Yes. (laughs) That also starts with I. um, More similar. But a very, very similar premise um, because of what I'd seen in the trailers. And it does deliver. It just seems like it'll obviously go deeper. And there there is more of a story rather than just last man standing sort of thing. It seems like there's a more there's more intrigue into what could happen and the hero's journey these people are about to take. 
Pedro and, and Bella as the – I can't remember their names even though we just said them. Uh, Joel and Joel Ellie. Joel and Ellie. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah, and they both do such a good job even in the limited – Screen time. I mean, is it? It's an eighty-five minute episode, so limited screen time isn't quite the right way to put it. Are they but like all going to be that long? Because that I don't know killed me. That's a good okay. question. As, that's funny because I also I thought I was going to hate it. I thought it was going to feel like it was a million hours long, and I was like, I was enthralled. I it was loved only, this episode. I will say it was only because I was planning. I had my whole night planned out. I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this show, and then I'm going to you know do my whole nighttime thing, and then I get to read. It did throw it off. Yeah. And I forgot that it started at nine. I was just like, oh, it came out on Sunday. Great. I can start it whenever. So I tried to start it at eight. And then I was like, mm. oh, no. HBO, I got to wait. Uh, and then it started at nine and I throw, threw my whole routine off. So that was my main reason that I was sort of no, I counting down the minutes. I had the, I had the same fear because my bedtime is 9.45 at best. And I was <laughs> like, I can do 10 o'clock. Like I can make it to 10. And then I found out 85 minutes and I was like – Oh no, I'm going to have to finish it in the morning before we record. But yeah, I, had I, the same I just loved it. I was so into it. I actually could contrast it pretty specifically with the House of the Dragons first episode that also came out mm. at 9 p.m. on a Sunday on HBO Max. And I fell asleep by 9.30 because it was so <laughs> goddamn boring. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still a House of the Dragon hater. Uh, but no, I, yeah. I loved this. I didn't think it was boring at all. And it wasn't I agree. overly violent, even though like it was like it, it there's tons they of do violence a good but job. that's not the point of it it's not gory i guess i i think that's safe to say like you see the violence but you don't really have to see in 4k like the whole like transition yeah. from violent action to like blood it's sort of like no you're right i don't know how to how to describe it there is it. there's violence but it isn't gratuitous gore it is I yeah and even when you say. do see the aftermath of said violence I don't know. It's not gratuitous either. You see yeah. blood, but it, I don't know. It's not like you have to like watch someone's head being chopped off or something like right. you might it, see in Game of Thrones. It's not the Game of Thrones style violence. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I think there's a lot of spoilery things I want to say now that we started talking, but to mm -hmm. wrap up the sort of non-spoilery portion, at least on my end, I think what's really key in my interest, uh, to my interest in the show so far, is that it feels like it will be much more about the character's and their relationships and the emotional complexity of existing in this post-apocalyptic world with all of what that means, then it is about like, I'm going to fight the uh, – How do we fight zombies fungus. essentially? Yeah, <laughs> basically. Exactly. And maybe yeah. maybe I will be proven wrong, but it feels like there's a lot of emphasis emphasis on the <laughs> characters and their feelings. And yeah. In that way, it's more Station Eleven than The Walking mm. Dead, and we get a lot of that's more my alley. Up my alley, we get a lot more backstory in the first episode for Joel's character than we do Ellie. I mean, we meet her after so far, yeah. I mean, clearly, so we meet Joel in two thousand three, and then it goes twenty years later into what has sort of devolved. Uh, and Ellie's only 14. So clearly <laughs> we don't get her backstory from that point of view. But I do feel like getting his sort of origin story of the uh, like being in this new world, um, you're right, gives us – we we get more of his like depth of emotion and why he reacts the way he does to certain things. And I yeah. feel like that might happen – we might get a little bit more from the other characters as we go. I I enjoyed it a lot. I'm excited to watch the next. I also am excited to say 
spoilery things. I would yeah. absolutely recommend this to people that think they wouldn't like it because it's based on a video game. I would say watch it anyway because I I mean I should be a pretty good, I don't know, advocate for that as a person that thought I was mm-hmm. going to hate it. And if you don't like violence, I think you could still watch it also. And if you like post-apocalyptic stuff, I really think you'll like it. And I think that's the last I will say before we get into our spoilers. The only thing I will add to that is that I did not play this game, not really into this type of game. What I thought was cool was that I could sort of see when certain shots were set up. I was like, oh, this seems like it could come from the backstory of a video game. And I was wondering for the people who are fans, if they set up any shots like truly true to the video game. And I thought, I had the thought of like, oh, if I were really into this, I would find that cool. I'd be like, that's from like the, I don't know, the beginning where this happens and blah, blah, blah. Like they did it shot for shot. Again, like, I don't know if that's true, but I could see how it would fit. It fit really well in a cinematic, you know, viewfinder and a scene to watch on television, but it also was clear that it would work well in a game. If you haven't seen yet, stop here because we're going to say some spoilers. Yeah, we've got to talk about it. Spoiler time. I want to start at the beginning Mm -hmm. because I loved the first scene. The 1968 talk show setup of the guys talking about the fungal infection. And it was so clearly very obvious foreshadowing. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it was like subtle art. (laughs) It was just a great setup. I read, yeah. So I read that that is not part of the game. The game doesn't really go into the backstory of how such an infection is possible. So that was on, like, the show decided to do a sort of like, how could this happen? Which I think is really important for a TV show. You you want to be able to believe, like, almost this could happen in real life. This could happen to me to be a little yeah. bit bought in, even if you are aware that it's fantasy fiction, whatever. Um, I think that's but what yeah. it is. It's the, it's the ominous nature of it, even though it's it's clear foreshadowing. You know exactly what they're talking about. You know exactly what's going to happen, even as a person who hasn't played the game and doesn't didn't really know the story the doctor who's talking about the fungal infection and how if the world gets warmer that the fungus could you know it could evolve to live in humans and this could mm-hmm. happen it's ominous because you're like oh global warming and that's actually <laughs> happening mm-hmm. and so i think that the nature of that is very evocative yeah, it definitely and, made me wonder if I should worry about fungus. Right? <laughs> I was like, about to Google like how much. I'm like, it's warmer now. <laughs> but then I think the other aspect of it that works really well is the sort of overly descriptive and rightfully terrifying way that the doctor explains that the fungus could basically devour you from within and like control you. And, and the explanation that that gives to the idea of zombieism without just Mm -hmm. being like, there are zombies here. They eat brains. (laughs) I think works really well for me as a person that has never really liked the zombie genre because, well, I don't know exactly why. It just doesn't do anything for me. And I think it's so far-fetched that I don't find it scary in any way. Mm. Whereas this is sort of scary. This, I mean, and I think we, in a post-pandemic world or current pandemic not trying to start an argument there um (laughs) world where we're you know we've seen how a pandemic can happen it's a pandemic it's just a fungal pandemic like it all just feels real enough that you're like oh this is genuinely terrifying yes i agree i will say 
I still don't quite understand the mechanism. Like, why does the fungus want the human to eat blood? Like, why <laughs> Why does it need well, okay, that? okay, yeah. It's not the most realistic. And also, like, I, again, going back to my middle school science here, fungus, I thought, had spores. Like, I, I don't really understand why we're only worried about a bite spreading this fungal disease. Like, why aren't they worried about being in proximity? They are burning the bodies, but I, yeah. I don't – Matt and I had that argument too. I, they didn't really explain, it. like, the biology of it or no. the mechanism exactly. I think that's okay though. And they might not. Yeah, we might not get like, it. Like, I think but... that's okay if we just don't really know exactly or if it's just not that realistic because at the end of the day, it's still a zombie show. So it's not going to be perfectly realistic. As long as at some point they draw the line in the sand, like we know that the only way this can spread is through a bite. Like they don't have to spell it out for me word for word, but I do want to know what the rules are. I, yeah, I also was trying to figure that out. Yeah. And I appreciate though that the show is subtle. I think a lot of things like weren't overly explained. It was like show, don't tell. And I like that in a show. I actually very much appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But I do think we will see more of the details of the zombieism itself as the show unfolds. Yeah. I would hope. Moving a little bit along, unless you had more to say about that first scene, but I also liked the classic scene slash trope of animals knowing things before humans do or like animals sensing that something is wrong with the Mm. next door neighbor's dog. Love the dog. Um, Yeah. Love the dog. Wish the dog all the best. Yes. Um, I had that. That's always a good – yeah. Right. You like see the birds fly away or, you know, the dog is on edge, that kind of thing. And I was like, ooh, they're doing it. They're doing the thing. <laughs> I think, um, yeah. And even before we get there, just the whole arc of how they set up Sarah as this very lovable character, like yeah. five minutes in, I was like, I would die for Sarah. And it yeah, wasn't also- anything overt. They just, like, how did they make that character so likable? And the acting's incredible. I mean, shout out to that Nico Parker, I think is her name, that actress, like just embodied a, a character that I immediately was like, I would literally jump in front of a car for this girl. Yeah, she was great. I unfortunately knew immediately that she was going to die because she wasn't in any of the trailers. She's like there not was nothing Bella about Ramsey. <laughs> because she's yes. not Bella Ramsey. I was like, this is heartbreaking. Why are they doing this? But there wasn't any of that dramatic, like, I, yeah, I knew immediately. I, I, I was just waiting for her to be a, either a zombie that like it would have been more awful if she had gotten the disease and had to be killed or something like that and the fact that it wasn't that it was just like crossfire as they were trying to get away was even more heartbreaking definitely it stunned. really was oh man i cried a lot in that scene i think it's it was the combo of like it the tragedy of her dying from our government which is very (laughs) good foreshadowing for Fedra and this whole Mm -hmm. idea of the like totalitarian police state, but very shocking in the moment because I assumed as well that she was going to die because she wasn't Bella Ramsey. And I hadn't, you know, meaning I hadn't Mm -hmm. seen her in any promos or trailers. Yeah, exactly. And I also assumed that she would die from, yeah, one of the zombies in that moment. So it was the combo of the shock of that and how well they built up this character in just like, I don't know, what, 25 minutes? Yeah. This connection between her and Joel that was so, I mean, they, and it was very show, don't tell. It was very just showing these moments between 
daughter and Showing father her. that were very tender and they cared for each other so much and and how thoughtful she was with the like his birthday present and going right. over to the neighbor's house even though it was clear she didn't really want to she still like stayed after school made cookies like very clearly a caring person yeah it's that you love her but you also see the way in which the ways in which Joel is very sort of dependent on her so mm, your heart just breaks when Pedro Pascal when Joel is holding her just like you can see his heart breaking I mean that is that acting was so freaking good (laughs) I literally like I I know I think part of it was I was trying to deflect the fact that I was just like casually sobbing but I Mm. like in that moment was like I can't believe how good this acting is because I just I feel like I needed to say something because I wanted to stop crying but it was um, it was insane. It was so good. I mean, her acting too, the the dying, the acting, the, <laughs> the I mean, dying. Yeah, yeah. It's a hard child to... and you've been yeah. shot. Like, a, yeah, you're going to like sort of hyperventilate because what's happening to you? Oh my God. I'm just, I can't even talk about it. Yeah. No, I like excellent acting, excellent casting choice. I don't know. I, I don't know if we've said already um, who played Sarah, but um, yes, no, Nico Parker. She was in The Third Day, which I was not familiar with, but just to plug her mm, a little know. bit. Yeah. Uh, and also Tommy, the brother, watching, knowing that like he can't do anything. Ugh. And while Joel is like shouting at him to, <laughs> to help him. Yikes. Okay. Anyway. You're right. Every, every part of that is heartbreaking. Terrible. It's, you, you know what's – then this is sort of a random side note about those sort of early minutes when she's in the watch shop and the watch – shop owner's wife presumably Mm. comes out and it's like get out we're closed Mm -hmm. again very show don't tell in that nobody's telling us what's happening we're seeing people react we're hearing planes overhead we're seeing commotion we have this foreboding this this ominous sense of trouble obviously on the horizon and we pretty much know as the viewers what's about to happen there's there's enough foreshadowing in play but Along with the dog, like you said, the dog having this sort of like fear or or sense that something's wrong. I just felt that the way they built up that that aura of fear was so good. Mm-hmm. I agree. I had a very like visceral reaction to it, and I'm just so impressed when shows do that sort of thing well, especially when you have the when you've been seeing the promos and the trailers and you know exactly what's coming, the fact that they still were able to give you that, that ambiance, I guess is the wrong word, but yeah, the, the sense of foreboding and, and not make it feel hokey or anything, like make you feel it as you're watching. It's and it really did, impressive. Yeah, it really didn't feel hokey. And I always think zombie shows and movies are hokey. It's a good word for it. I don't like, I just feel like they're, I don't know. They're all sort of the same. There's, they all zombies like run really fast and they look dead in the eyes. I think there's just all of these uh, cliches of zombies mm-hmm. that I just don't really find that scary. I don't know if it's just that I've seen too much of it or whatever. But when the old woman Ugh, like yeah. stood up and had the fungus like coming out of her mouth or whatever, gross. I was like, this is very well done. Like I am genuinely <laughs> freaked out the way that they're. And it's not, it's not that different of a departure from a zombie, but just the – I think the fungus thing is a really interesting choice and mm-hmm. the way that they built up that aura of fear. Like I was genuinely like, okay, I'm scared. 
Yeah. And normally yeah. with zombie stuff, I'm really just like, eh, whatever about mm-hmm. it. Like there's just like dead no, bodies agreed. everywhere. I will say the scene where they're like driving away and there's just like bodies in the street and people running around. That felt very World War Z to me. Have you seen World mm. War Z? No, it's not I don't like think Brad so. Brad Pitt zombie movie. I hated that movie. I thought that was like a classic example of just like zombie cliches done horribly. Gotcha. And that scene was the only scene where I was like, this feels like World War Z. It feels like – I mean, it feels like you're in the video game really in that scene actually. Mm-hmm. And th- I don't that, think that does that much for me, that that sort of like chaotic stuff. Was that the same scene? I mean, I think I feel like that happened a couple of times while they were trying to escape. But then yeah. where the eventually the plane comes and crashes behind them, that was the scene that I was like, oh, this feels like a video game. Like fade yeah, to black, then whole, start the yeah. – yeah. Oh, ooh, the fade to black, though. Yeah, that's a very video game-esque mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, sort of thing that they used there but yeah just that whole like chase scene and running away and the zombies like yeah that felt very action video gamey and that's the stuff that i don't particularly like but i feel like that was really the only time in the whole episode that really really felt like that and i can handle one or two of those per episode i just i was glad that that wasn't like the whole point yeah agreed and then it immediately became that terribly emotional scene and then i i mean I don't love to cry. Who does? But the fact that I felt that much emotion <laughs> I love it. half an hour into a new episode or an, an episode of a new show, I was just amazed. Yeah, that they could make I will me admit, feel that way. I didn't cry, but I had feeling. I had emotions. <laughs> um, it's okay. I cry at everything, to be fair. <laughs> it was maybe because I was just thinking about how we weren't even halfway through the show yet, but it was already 930. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't thinking anyhow. about that. I think the – so. Fast forwarding a little bit, we mm-hmm. see – we're 20 years later. We see Boston. It's destroyed, which poses the question in my brain, how did the buildings get like that? Like would the buildings really deteriorate in that way, the way where there's just like pieces crumbling off the top? I mean I don't if know how were, buildings deteriorate, but it just felt wrong. It seemed like as they were escaping Austin, people were just like – burning houses or doing whatever they could to try to get out of or like away from these zombie people. So I could imagine that in the initial wave there were there was just sort of like gunfire and explosions and stuff happening. And then also definitely like when when buildings aren't kept up, which if there's if the government has turned into like a police state type of situation and no one's really worrying about you know, like rental no, properties. No, there's definitely or, like, like no upkeep, upkeep buildings. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. So something just like had to happen to all these buildings. I don't know. I guess that's that to me is the sort of the hallmark of a post-apocalyptic city is they always look like that overgrown foliage on these buildings that are crumbling. And I'm just like, I kind of want to know what it would actually look like. There's no way to really know until our world crumbles. Uh, but <laughs> it'd be interesting Can't to wait. know. Yes, really looking forward to to learning the truth of that. But yeah, so we're we're 20 years later in Boston, the kid that gets brought in and is like mute and they test him and it turns the machine turns red and I just I, I keep saying it's such a this show's doing show don't tell so well. Mm-hmm. And I I just maybe I've seen too many shows where they just they too many tell shows recently because I'm so in love with the way this show is doing. This show is telling us things without telling us them. <laughs> yeah. Too many shows these days do not trust their audiences to know yeah. what's going on and really do spell it out. 
right to, like, to their say, detriment in say, my opinion like oh he's infected like they would say something there and they didn't say anything in this or scene. even after yeah even after like i guess during the scene itself where the two federal people fed Fedra agents, Fedra. I guess, have a sort of um, silent conversation with their eyes. I feel like in a different show, perhaps we would then get a scene cutting to them being like, "It had to be done." Like he he was right positive Sometimes for the whatever, like some hitting yeah, over the explanatory. Head it is in this case, it was like not until you actually see, like you. I was a little like, okay, maybe I don't believe that they're actually going to kill him until you see him. At, that Pedro Pascal has to like throw him into the the pile of bodies about to be burned. Oh, you know? I knew when they stuck the needle in that that's what they were doing because they they like lied and said, oh, we'll give you your favorite food and new clothes. Right. But, I guess yeah. I was just trying to like – I was de- in denial. I was like, but they're not going to kill him, right? Yeah. Like, like they still needed that last scene of – and they zoom in yeah. on the shoes when he's sitting there and then they zoom in on yeah. the shoes when he throws the body. And like that's the sort of – you can show us a little more just in case we missed it, <laughs> but it's still sort yeah. of subtle. I like that so much. And then the way they set up Joel being a smuggler with mm. just him exchanging pills with the Fedra soldier for the ration cards. Again, yeah. subtle, like not subtle, but subtle enough that I was like, I appreciate how much this show trusts my intelligence. I agree. I think it's just refreshing. I also think just when you mentioned the smuggling sort of show don't tell mo- moment. I think another thing that I really like about this show is that it reminds me of Firefly a little bit. Like Pedro Pascal's character, Joel, reminds me a little bit of Nathan Fillion's character in Firefly. Yeah, some of that uh, like swagger, yeah. Yeah, and just like you know he's willing to do things that are maybe uh, like below board. <laughs> but it has the right intentions, yeah. Yeah, but always has the right intentions. Yeah, um, I see that. Also, there are fireflies. <laughs> there are the fireflies, show. yeah. I liked the the way they set up us meeting Anna Torv. And I think I said this earlier, but yeah, I like looked at her face and I was like, huh, that lady got beat up <laughs> and had no idea it was Anna Torv until they sort of like zoomed out and then showed us her again. And I was like, oh my God, that's Anna Torv. I'm so excited because I haven't seen her in anything since Fringe. Since Fringe, yeah. And I loved her yeah. in Fringe. She is so great. I'm very glad that she, I mean, she's probably been in stuff I haven't seen since then, but I'm glad she's in this because I think this will probably be a big hit and she deserves it. She is a gem. I can't wait to see more of her. I hope she stays <laughs> in the main trio for a little while longer at least. Um, so then we meet Ellie in the scene after that. I think it's the scene right after that. She's being yep. kept against her will and she does the you know the tests. She counts one, one to ten and has to hold up her hand or whatever. Yeah. Is that – I'm assuming that's like are you – being taken like, over are by the fungus you a or not. Zombie? Yeah, did right. you know yeah. in that scene though that that's what that was? Uh I I mean, I didn't know for sure, but it seemed like that's what that was. Like so I, yeah. I was pretty sure that it was testing for the zombieism, but I didn't realize that that was how the audience was learning that she was immune. Right, because if you've seen some of the promos it like it feels like it, we're already supposed to is know it that. Is in the maybe. trailer? Yeah. So I knew that, and I'm I'm sort of sad that I knew this ahead of time. I wish right. that I hadn't known she was immune, so that I could go through this journey of figuring it out, like you're supposed to as an audience member. But mm-hmm. I knew ahead of time. So I guess in this scene, I didn't put it together that people who didn't know that ahead of time were learning that in this scene. And to be fair, maybe not everyone picks up on it right away. But I asked Matt, "When did you figure out?" 
that she was immune. Hmm. And he said this scene, and I thought that was interesting because it didn't occur to me that that's what we were learning. And I think yeah. it's when she says, I've done this. I did this yesterday. I did this the day before. That is really mm-hmm. when you learn it because they're basically setting up, establishing in that scene that They've usually been checking zombieism on yeah. takes over within a certain period of time and she has exceeded that period of time and there's something important about that. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I would not have thought about that either. I was wi- I was like, oh, this makes sense with what I know about who she's supposed to be. Like they're ch- they're testing her to make sure she hasn't gotten sick. She hasn't, you know, succumbed to the yeah. fungus slash zombie dumb. I don't know. I feel like it's less fun that we both knew. I sort of, yeah, I really I like, wish that I hadn't known. I like knowing less going into a show or movie. But in this case, I, agree. I read about it or we, you know, we talked about it in the um, upcoming shows roundup or whatever. I wonder if it's hard though, especially with this kind of, I I mean, I don't know how it is for a game, but for a TV show, sort of the main interesting factor is that it is a zombie movie, but there is potentially a cure. It's not just like there, it's a zombie, or sorry, TV show. It's a zombie story and everyone's just trying to survive. It's like, it's a zombie story. And the thing is you're trying to survive because you think you could maybe cure everything. And so you kind of have to have that tidbit of information to hook people, I think, to some extent. But also then you know that it's coming. So it's a little bit of a catch-22 yeah. in my mind for the people who ha- who are um, in charge of promoting a show like this. Because I think that does catch people's attention. And they're like, ooh, a young girl. Like, why is she immune? You know, it gives you the mystery where if you were just watching the show without any of that knowledge, or if you were hearing about the show without any of that knowledge or yeah that it might not it might not feel as interesting yeah i think you have to know who you're who you are as a consumer like i generally tried to not read about shows and movies in too much detail or watch trailers because i like to know less but some people don't i mean i have friends that go to the last page of a book and read the ending before they read a book like (laughs) not everyone serial killer behavior (laughs) i agree but yeah not everybody is as interested in being taken along the way as i am Mm -hmm. yeah so back to the fireflies learning about the fireflies we we see them we see Allie. like i just said one thing that i learned that i thought was really interesting the character marlene played by merle dandridge is it's the same actress who did that character in the video game so she 10 years ago auditioned and got the role of Marlene in the video game which I had to look up because I was like I don't, I don't really know what that means because I'm not a video <laughs> game player but it's not yeah, just voice the actor, voice it's also oh. like her I guess like mannerisms like somehow Actions. they yeah. yeah somehow they like captured her it's not a video of her obviously like there is an animated video game but it's captured her and her voice that's very cool. character. Yeah, very cool. And and so I learned this in the little like five-minute behind-the-scenes thing after the episode that they put on HBO Max. Mm. And she was like, oh, I didn't think I'd get the role. Like they auditioned to ten <laughs> people. And I was like, oh, she's perfect for the – I mean I never would have thought that the casting was bad. Like the casting was, you know, good enough. Great, I was watching yeah. it and I was like, oh, I, this is a totally believable character. And mm-hmm. then I think knowing that she was also that character in the video game is really cool actually. Yeah, I agree. I, we haven't met any of them yet, but there is at least one other actor who is from the video games. Um, oh, okay. It's Jeffrey Pierce as Perry. Oh, maybe we have already met him. Do we know Perry? I don't think I know a Perry. A rebel in a quarantine zone. Okay, so not in the Boston quarantine zone, but in a different quarantine zone. So yeah, there are other game 
you know, voices slash actors that will appear in the series, which I think, yeah, I agree is very cool. Yeah, I like that. I Mm -hmm. am curious to know, I mean, as a person who I read a lot of books and I watch a lot of adaptations of books, so not video games, but like similar feelings about the casting decisions. I So I wonder in this case how people who've played the video game feel about like Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey obviously weren't the original mm-hmm. characters in the game um, or the actors of those characters in the game. And I haven't really seen anything about people's feelings about those casting decisions, although I'm sure people have feelings. Feelings, so I, yeah. I wonder agreed. what they are. I personally feel like these, the two, those two are crushing their performances. So hopefully people have no qualms because I would mm-hmm. disagree with their qualms. Yeah. I can't speak to how good the original, you know, game Ellie and Joel were. So like, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe they're really incredible, in which case I'm sorry. But I also agree. I think Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey are doing a great job. Yeah. And people get um, caught up in the aesthetics. Like if the character doesn't mm-hmm. look exactly like the actor, they'll be mad. So I'm sure there are people. Or if it's who a feel different way, interpretation, so yeah, this is just yeah. kind of annoying at that point that people care about stuff like that. Like, oh, he has a beard and he doesn't have a beard in the game. Like, move yeah, on. those things. I, those things I think matter less than if they, their vibe is completely off or like they they're making choices that are emotionally different than their game persona might like that that might annoy me more. Yeah, than actual like physical appearance. I definitely get more annoyed about things that are left out from a book adaptation or scenes that are changed or dialogue that's changed that I really like in the book than I do about like, oh, this person doesn't look like how I pictured. Also, it's a little different though, I guess, in a book because you're using your own imagination versus like a video game has characters that look a certain way. A little different. But so one thing that happens in the show that we don't know a lot about yet is Ellie says she's put in an orphanage by Fedra as a baby, but Marlene mm. says she put her there. And, and also that it, she knows her real name. Yeah, like she knows she's Ellie yeah. and not uh, Victoria, I think it was, or Veronica or one of those. Veronica. Veronica. Yeah. And I immediately had 100 questions, and mm-hmm. they don't tell us anything in this episode. So that's I, what I meant by yeah. I'm sure we're going to get backstory for um, Ellie in later episodes because they've they've dropped a lot of things that need to be followed up on. Yeah. I like the way they dropped the hints. I think that immediately sets up like I want to keep watching this. I want to know her backstory. I want to know mm-hmm. what that means to be like dropped in the orphanage or whatever um, that's run by Fedra. Like what does that mean for her growing up as a kid? How did that affect her? And then also mm-hmm. I want to know her relationship with Marlene and who Marlene is to her. Who her mom is they even have that joke where she says do i look like your mom mm-hmm. just a lot of questions that i think set up a really just really interestingly compelling set up story yeah future backstory unveiling joel and tommy who we met earlier his brother is not with them in boston he has not been responding for i guess three weeks and usually it only takes about a day for him to message back joel is starting to get pretty freaked out we see him trying to get access to like a car battery and a car to go and rescue him when it seems like he thinks he needs to go out and make sure Tommy's okay. And so that brings us in together with the Fireflies and Marlene and Ellie and then Tess and Joel who happen to be looking for this battery that the guys who originally like beat up Tess were trying to sell off this bad battery to the Fireflies to help them get Ellie away and outside the quarantine zone. So that kind of like brings our main 
trio together right for the, the way first time. they set up why they're why joel is in charge of ellie right because marlene makes a bargain with joel and tess that they will bring her are they bringing her to wyoming or just i can't remember they're bringing her out west right now i think they're just bringing her to the state house i think okay we know from the trailer that you know he ends up going all the way sort of like across the country or whatever with her but i think at this well, point knew- we're just waiting for them to meet up with the rest of the fireflies he thinks he's dropping her off with the fireflies got it i know that he he had intended to go out toward wyoming because that's yes. where he was told that his brother was or at least the tower where they last heard from him so, so i guess that was mad mind. because he now has this pit stop to make with the squirrel right. that he didn't ask to be in charge of but it's not in his mind right now and it, this is where the episode ends. He's on his way to drop her off before they can, and and that's where he'll get the car and the whatever else that he needs to, to go get him further. The so that's yep. His motivation for dropping her off is getting what he needs to go find Tommy, and the Firefly's motivation is getting her to the meet point because Marlene is unable to get her there. So that's exactly that's the setup so far. And I think they set up. I think they did a really good job setting this up and setting up the relationship between Joel and Ellie being one of like mutual distrust and like dissatisfaction with their circumstances Mm -hmm. because that is a really compelling dynamic that I think they're going to build on and we'll see the relationship change probably I assume into one of like the daughter father dynamic along the way. And I think that that is a, is a really interesting arc. I like that you can tell, as you said, there's this sense of mutual distrust, but at the same time, they're both sort of bound by the fact that, you know, they've got to go with one another. It's their only option. And Ellie sort of tests the waters by trying to figure out some of Joel's code. And you can kind of tell that Joel is peeved at her for, you know, sticking her nose in where it doesn't belong. But you can also sort of see, and maybe this is just me reading into it, that he's like a little impressed. A little impressed. No, you can, um, yeah. Yeah. So I already like, like you said, that that development of their um, their relationship. And I feel like it's going to, yeah, like you said, it, it seems as though I don't think anyone could replace his daughter, but it definitely appears as though that development is happening where they're going to really see some of that. You know, he he's missing someone in his life that is young and and caring and she has not had parents for a while. So, yeah, I think that brings us to the sort of last scene in this episode mm-hmm, where, where they get a, out of the wall. Yeah. He, and he sees the guard that he sold the pills to, uh, but it's not going as they would have hoped and the soldier guard tells them to get on their knees and tests if they're infected and ellie sort of stabs him in the leg uh and so starts this little standoff and joel is physically between the soldier and ellie ellie is is basically being threatened so he is immediately brought back to there's a federal agent or a federal agent in front of me pointing a gun at my daughter. And you they do, I think, even show the flashback. So there's a they little do, bit yeah. more of like hitting you over the head with it in this moment than I would have liked. But it's it's still a, a nice poignant moment, I think, of like you see that he's, he's reliving this moment and he feels like, you know, this is his second chance to like right the wrong and he immediately attacks this soldier and, and kills him. And that well, he just doesn't want to see it happen again. Yeah. Right. I think that's a really powerful moment. Although, like I said, I do sort of wish they hadn't shown us the flashback because I think it was I obvious didn't mind. enough. 
I I hear you that the like the obvious parallel was there, but the fact that he essentially punches the guy to death would have been a huge overreaction without the added like oh he's carrying all of this stuff which i feel like maybe he could have shown in his face just like acting choices that that's what was going on in his head that it was a very similar experience to basically watching his daughter get shot um but the like quick flashback gave me enough of like a okay he's he's enraged he is overflowing with emotion he's having you know almost ptsd yeah and that really explains why he can kind of get carried away and not just knock this guy out but then you know kill him like he's not even fists. seeing that guy he's seeing he's seeing red the old, yeah <laughs> the the old scenario the guy the guy exactly. standing in front of him is the person that killed his daughter yeah yeah i see, I see what you mean it, it didn't really super bother me in the moment i think i'm getting caught up in the like i like how much the show the one way my intelligence yeah. and this was the only moment that i could possibly complain about where they didn't do that so much but i think they're also trying to firmly establish like he's not just a sociopathic killer he's you know, traumatized, struggling and yeah. And going through, going through it. Yeah. And in that same scene, we do see he was able to test Bella Ramsey's character, Ellie. And we do see, or at least Tess sees and is very freaked out by the fact that it comes up red. Essentially, that was the other thing of why I was like, I don't really quite understand how the mechanism works. She seems like very freaked out, but she's not like moving away from her. Well, no, I think she. I think she does sort of, but like they need to run and they need to run immediately, mm. and like there's just no time for this conversation. And Ellie yeah, is, I guess. you know, yelling, "I'm not infected. I'm not infected. I, I was bitten, but it's been three weeks." And I think it happens right. so quick, and like something in Tessa's brain registers that like maybe there's truth to this, but they just have to like get the fuck out of there. Yeah, fair enough. And then is that how it ends? Is it just fade on them? scurrying away yeah and then you hear uh that 80s song and we see the like zoomed out oh, version right. of uh what's outside the qz and it's very ominous and the you know the 80s song indicates trouble troubles right. ahead we've learned that that was ellie figuring out the codes from earlier yeah that, although um, i didn't so. know i didn't know that 80s song i feel like that would have been a cooler moment if i'd been like ah yes this song by <laughs> this artist from this year uh i think it was the smiths um uh, the thing I'm looking at right now says it was Depeche Mode's Never Let Me oh, Down Depeche Again Modes. from 1987. Uh, but I was just like, huh, I don't know this song. And Matt was like, well, it's probably an 80s song because Trouble. And I was right. like, yes, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I think, and also like you could tell the synth and the drums yeah, and stuff. Nah, like, I mean, it was I that like, vibe. kind of figured it out too. I just think yeah. it would have been like a cooler moment if I'd been like, oh, yeah, this 80s song and like known the 80s song and had the like nostalgia associated with it. But it was still a good – I thought it was a really nice ending. It was a cool If they started ending. playing the Kate Bush song that um, <laughs> Stranger Things made, made popular. That would have been <laughs> a little too much. Embarrassing for them. Yeah. But I don't know yeah. a lot of songs from the 80s, so it's not their fault. But I think that anyway, brings us to a close. I think it does. Overall, very good episode, I thought. Uh, it seems like you agree. Yep. Great feeling so uh, far. Actually genuinely excited for the next episode. Me too. I do think as a tag, I just want to say, I don't think we said this in the beginning. This show is written and produced by one of the producers from Chernobyl, Craig Mazin. Neil Druckmann is the creator of The Last of Us video game franchise, and he's also a writer and producer on this show. There are also people from Game of Thrones and the games developer Naughty Dog and PlayStation Productions, which is cool. I, I It's cool to see like big wigs in HBO's uh, on HBO's team and then also like 
game bigwigs. I, I can only assume. I don't actually know who these people are, but you know, Naughty Dog I've heard of and PlayStation, obviously. So it's cool to see that they're really like doing a full collaboration. And yeah. I got to imagine having the like out. original creator of the game as a producer is definitely helping video game oh. fans or the fans of the game feel, feel at home. Yeah. yeah. I feel like the adaptation is truthful. But I've also I read a little bit about the game that said it's it's one of the main or I guess one of the most popular games that has an actual sort of complete narrative arc versus like adapting an open world game is sort of it's up to the creator of the adaptation to figure out what the narrative is whereas this like the game has one ending you can only play you know like the one or two main characters like there's not a lot of variety in the game so there is Mm. a pretty clear narrative arc and I think that also probably helps this be a very faithful and good adaptation like the story's already there so i did read yeah that. not a lot of room for being annoyed like interpretation that people could really follow about. it and well i guess meet back here after the second episode yeah let's do it all right cool we will just we'll be back next time with so we have a most anticipated shows episode coming out this friday and then yeah if we can keep this on a regular cadence then we'll have every week a new the last of us reaction slash thoughts episode but cool that's what i can think of I'm yeah down. all right well we'll see you guys then thanks for listening yeah thanks for listening find links to follow us on socials and subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes of this episode thank you for listening to double take if you like what you heard please support us by subscribing and leaving a review see you next time <laughs>